My name is Philia, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Yemi. Hey, guys. Welcome to Treading Treading Faith. Faith. Treading Faith is a weekly podcast dedicated to diving into the deep end of open, honest, fun, and sometimes difficult conversations that surround everyday life and our faith walk with Christ. I always say faith cannot rely on the wisdom of men, but only in the power of God. So, Yemi, what are we talking about today? Well, Philia, we are in the season of unlocking wisdom where we examine the book of Proverbs, which is designed to communicate foundational truths in order to give us guidance for living a successful life through the wisdom and knowledge of God. Today, we are covering the topic of addiction. Yes, even Solomon covered this in Proverbs. So we'll be reading from Proverbs 21 and Proverbs 23, 29 to 35. And it begins, wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. That's Proverbs 21, Proverbs 20, 29 to 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly, at last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things and you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of a mass. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I don't know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. Amen. Wow. That is definitely some strong rebuke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I totally get that God does not want us to be drunkards, right? Like we, we shouldn't overconsume alcohol or any other substance because it kind of alters our perception, our awareness, our mouths, right? <laughs> My aunt used to say to me, you know, yummy, you can drink wine, but don't drink any hard alcohol because those, they call them spirits and you never know what spirits you're going to (laughs) get. And and that always stayed with me. And I'm a Brooklynite woman living in this world (laughs) who went to college, who had experiences in grad school and beyond. And yeah, and I have been overserved. And I know I don't like it. So I don't do that anymore. Like I know how I felt, how I felt the next day. I I like to be accountable for the things that I say and do. And I think my actions, like where they say you get a little bit more courageous yes. when when you're you're on you're sipping something. <laughs> and right. so I didn't like those things. And right. so I immediately I was just like, I I wouldn't say immediately, but after some time, it, it took some maturity. I grew out of those things. And I said, like, this is not how I want to behave. And then I don't ever want to be overserved. What about you, Philia? Um, yes, I'm sorry. I I thoroughly enjoy, you know, you saying that when people always feel like, you know, you take a drink, get the little edge off, you know, yeah. you get, you know, loosen up, girl, you know, <laughs> things yeah. of that. But I think over time, you realize when you do overindulge that it's not really like when you're not in your right mind or right capacity, you make poor decisions and our decisions define us because once we make them, any consequences that happen, that is something that could have been avoided by making a different decision. So I I don't mind taking, you know, a little wine, maybe a sip here or there, but definitely nothing that's going to 
put me in a state where I'm not aware of myself or even, even one glass sometimes is just okay. And it's not all the time, but for me, when people ask, Oh, you're not going to take anything. No, I'm like, I'm good. I'm high on Jesus, you know? And, <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, because there is a certain thing that you feel when you feel so confident that you don't need anything to, to feel great, to feel happy, to feel relaxed, to feel at peace, because that's exactly what we get when we really know the, the word of God, or when we are wise in the decisions that we make, you know? So there was, I think I read in Titus, I think it was Titus, uh, two verse 12, where um, God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly um, what was it? Worldly passions and to live a very controlled life. You need to say no to those things. So I think that ungodliness is what maybe Solomon is, is, is saying in this when alcohol is the thing that leads to those poor decision makings, it leads to you not following the kind of path that you need so that it can become a lot more godly and more acceptable. I think that, yeah, I think that's an excellent point, right? Like we're not condemning anyone mm -hmm. who drinks alcohol. That's not what we're saying at all. And if you don't want to consume alcohol and that's your personal decision, that is also okay. Right. I mean, because we even know that Jesus turned water into wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, there is definitely um, some drinking, but it's the extent and, right. and it's the poor decisions and being out of control. These are the things that we want to avoid in this proverb, especially the long one that we read, it, it's like, I, I got someone struck me, but I didn't know who did it. Right? right. Like all these things are happening to you. You don't even know, but it goes beyond that. It, you, you, there's one thing to act out of character or act um, differently when you're drinking wine or let, let's not say wine, when you're drinking um, alcohol okay. uh, or you're under some kind of substance, mm -hmm. but it's another thing to be addicted to it. Right? Uh. Like We all know the, the negative effects, but to have that craving that you need it, that you must, that you need it to socialize, that you need it to, to go into work, all these things that becomes addiction. Like you feel trapped by it, that you cannot function without it because of whatever altering altered state you're in. That's how you survive your day. I think that's what we need to talk about. I think that's what we need to focus on because it's not just substance abuse. And I know that's what the proverb says, but you can be addicted to anything. You can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to mm -hmm. pornography. Mm -hmm. You can be addicted to television. You can be you can be addicted to dieting, right? right. Like, you know, people have these, they take these things to extremes and anything taken to an extreme becomes error. I mean, anything is maybe okay if you do it in moderation, but when you're addicted, it's more like you're trapped. Correct. And it's more that you can't survive without these things. And I like the point that you said that you can say no mm -hmm. because you're high on Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're already filled with the, the Holy Spirit. Right. You don't need the spirits that come with the spirit. And, <laughs> right. and I think that's an important distinction because I think I felt like that. Like I, I was a social drinker and I was like, well, why do I need to drink? I didn't want to go out and have to drink. Right. right? I didn't right. have to you keep have to up with everyone lunch, else. Right. And I'm, I'm going to say that I'm still a social drinker. If I go out, I have a drink, but I, I curbed it a lot. And there's times where I say no. There's times where I only have one. Like I I don't want to be overserved in a situation, especially outside of my home, because I don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. And I don't want to put any other person at risk, not just myself, any other person. Right. You know, I like the fact that you say that, you know, you 
make these concerted efforts because there are times where we feel like when we're of this world, we got to do the same things that everyone does. And sometimes when you stand alone or stand against everyone, it always seems like you're on the other side of, in a sense, a little bit of the opposition because it's like, hey, what's going on? How come you don't want to drink? Like, what's wrong with you? Is everything okay? As if, if you didn't have the drink, then something must be wrong. And sometimes it's okay to just say no, right? And people still be accepting of you and you could still be the life of the party without feeling like you need another substance to make you feel like, you know, you're to make you feel more comfortable, but you're right. I think addiction is, is more talking about feeling trapped, not being able to say no, maybe wanting to, but physically not being able to, I think that's where the difference is. Um, addiction we find in so many places, it could be in the top ranking offices down to, you know, people who, who don't, who are no longer in those positions. I mean, for me, my sister, my only sister died from alcohol addiction. She, you know, and I, I asked someone, you know, does addiction mean you, you do it every day? And they said, no addiction. The difference is there are people who are functional alcoholics where they drink and they're drunk and then they can be able to wake up and go to work. And, you know, you can always tell those people sometimes there's certain things about their skin, their lips, things like that. But they call those functional alcoholics. He said, but it doesn't mean if you're an alcoholic means that you drink every day. What it means is that you don't know how to moderate. There's a difference between moderation and you don't feel like without it, you cannot survive. He said, and that's the thing with addiction. So when people are struggling with these things, it's almost like a spirit. It's almost like a demon. Like they always say, you know, you have a spirit of this. I think addiction is a spirit of something. And that is the place where the devil can, can really take precedence in your life because it's a, it's, it's where you're the most weak at this point. And that's where he prays and he starts to, you know, he's here to kill, you know, what is it? Um, steal. um, steal, kill and destroy. Correct. So imagine when you're under the influence, that's the time all of the negative thoughts are coming. All of the things that you would not think of when you're not under the influence can start to happen. And that's why it's really important to do everything in moderation. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a time where you are the most vulnerable. And I think sometimes we get addicted to things because, and and, and we're going beyond like substance abuse. Like I listed a couple of things that you can be addicted to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need it as a crutch to help us get through our day or to escape. A lot of it is escapism. I remember there was a time where if I couldn't sleep, I was like, well, let me just, you know, have a, a glass of wine that'll help me go to sleep. And then I would, if I was doing it too much, I was like, this is ridiculous. I, I, I can't use wine to help me go to sleep. Right. I need to figure something else out. And even, even though I, I am prescribed like sleeping pills because I do have trouble sleeping, I don't take it all the time because I don't want to be addicted and I don't want to depend on all these things. And I feel that it's easy to say, do everything, do things in moderation or don't become addicted. But people who lean towards addiction for anything, all these things, we are trying to escape something. We are our most vulnerable when we turn to substance. Mm-hmm. And why is it that we're turning to substance when we're vulnerable or not even substance or any other um, thing, habit or something that makes us feel comfortable or makes us escape? Why are we turning to those things instead of turning to God? How do we move from a place of being addicted to a worldly item or worldly feature and, and move towards trusting on God and 
having hope in God. Um, it's it's interesting because sometimes we think of an addiction as it's the thing the person is addicted to, but really deep inside, it's something that the person is lacking. Because if you take alcohol away from an alcoholic, they'll just find something else to replace that alcoholism. If you take a drug from a drug addict, they'll find something else to replace that drug so that they can feel it. So it's not just the actual thing itself, but it's what's going on inside that makes them crave or makes them feel like they cannot live without it. It's almost like this idea of sublimation where if I don't have this, then I need this to make me feel okay. So it's making that that decision of wanting to avoid that addiction. That's the thing that addicts don't have. They don't have that self what they call it, Regulator. like regulation. That's mm-hmm. the problem, right? Because they need something to to fill up whatever that void is. And that's why when I said, I no longer take more than one drink when I go places, it's like, oh, I'm high on Jesus. I say that because it's like, I already know where my, I know my role. I know my limitations. I know that I don't want to go past this. And I've learned to just be okay with this. I don't need any more to be okay. So that becomes from something within. So it's, it's what's within that makes you actually okay, that you don't f- physically need something else to make you okay. Right. I mean, it's definitely an, an internal struggle. It's something that addiction is deeply personal. And, and it's something that people feel ashamed about. They don't share it with right. other people. They don't tell people about it. So they're suffering, suffering alone and in silence. And like you said, they don't have that regulator in internal regulator. They don't know how to turn this off. And so what happens is that the dependency takes control. So it goes from one glass to two glasses, mm-hmm. three glasses, because you're never going to get the same as you got the first, the first time. time. You're right. always going to seek out more to get it because the these things are are altering. Right. Like even if like you you diet right and you're addicted to dieting and you're like I I just want to lose five pounds after you lose the five pounds like well if I lost five pounds I can, I can lose, lose five ten. five five oh, more right. and you become so fixated and focused on it you for you you don't have that regulator because you don't realize that these are just temporary placeholders okay. the temporary distractions they're not long-standing and fulfilling, right? When Jesus said that he's the living water, when he told the woman at the well, if you drink from the water I have, you will never be thirsty again. Imagine saying that to someone who's an addict, like everybody's going to say, yeah, give it to me, right? Right. Because as humans, we have a desire to have something Something. outside control our internal, uh, uh, our internal functions. We don't know how to do it ourselves. And that's the scary part because it doesn't have to be substance. Mm. It can be any device that you use as a distraction and that you fall into it more and more. And I think it's important to recognize, maybe you, you looking at something, you're like, well, it's not addiction. There's nothing wrong with it, but you're, but it's changing who you are. It's changing your behavior. Mm -hmm. Your life is circling around it. Maybe you're ashamed of talking about it. It's important to recognize what these things are or these, these, um, these characteristics in your life so that you can say like, Oh, this is an addiction that I need to be mindful of. I need to now look into moderation or eliminating it completely. There's a couple um, of traits that I think like someone who may be an addict, they may have like these kind of traits and think about it. Like if you have these traits, these underlying addictive traits, you might be 
you might fall easily into addiction. And that's impulsive behavior, um, difficulty in delaying gratification. You have a poor balance of life, right? Like you think it's all or nothing instead of, of doing the moderation. It, either I have it now or I don't want it. Low tolerance for emotional pain. Sometimes you use these things to, to not think about our pain or to kind of escape. Like if we focus on something else, we don't have to think about our pain. Think about that with like exercising, right? Like I tell people like, well, I feel better when I exercise. I get these endorphins, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's escape, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to deal with the problems head on. I'd rather just get high off of exercising or you, you have a family history of addiction. These are some underlying traits that, that can mean that you may have a propensity to addiction and that you need to be a little bit more careful. Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting you said that, Yemi, because just yesterday, my nephew and his fiance, they called me. Um, so my nephew, um, uh, is suffering from, from an addiction, you know, and he's, you know, been in and out of rehab and this is my sister's first son. He's now 33, I believe now. Yeah. He was born 1990. And it's interesting because my sister started drinking when she was pregnant with him. And now my sister has passed. And he explained that, he never really dealt with her passing because he was still in high school when she passed and never really had time to grieve. Um, when he was younger, he had gotten into a school called Milton Hershey Academy in Milton, um, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So even it's a boarding school. So you can, kids are there from kindergarten to 12th grade, but it's a school where they invest so much in their students that they give them full scholarships. Um, they pretty much set them so that they can do very well academically for life. But the downside is that you're not with your parents. You live in a house of maybe six other kids and you have house parents that you actually call mom and dad and this and that. And imagine now a six-year-old boy coming from an African-raised family now living this life and, you know, and um, kind of living this, this, this boarding school kind of mentality. So basically he was just saying that he had to grieve outside of our family. And now he's suffering from addiction. So um, addiction. So when they talk about the family history of addiction, that's also, it could be also hereditary. So that's why I always say that it's also very important to, to break these, what they call them, these generational curses, because to me, that's now a generational curse that we have to look into in our own family to make sure that it doesn't pass down to the kids or it's not a cycle that they continue to relive. So in this, he's going to rehab also, but also I, you know, we talked about prayer. We talked about things that he can use to substitute this idea of wanting a need to feel better by taking drugs or, or things like that. So this, I just wanted to um, actually just concur with what Solomon says when he talks about the family history of addiction as well. Yeah, I I think these are things that we all need to be mindful of. And I think it's a reminder because when you break generational curses, you can't, you can't break it by saying it's not there, right? right? Like you can't end a, a curse by saying it's not there. You have to confront it. Right. You have to say like, this is a problem. And now that I acknowledge that it's a problem, what can I do, right? Like you talk about like the steps to um, like alcohol anonymous, right? You, you first tell your name and then you say that you're an addict because you have to walk in it in order to seek help. There are definite consequences. Like people who have addiction, they lose, they lose out a lot. Right. The, there's 
financial consequences. There's consequences to your career, your friends, your family, to your health. And this is what I think when the proverb is talking about wine, I think the reason why we go a step further is because like Philia said, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. So the fact that we're in this world, sometimes we lean towards the things of the world. We lean towards what people are doing because that's what we see on a day-to-day basis. We're not sheltered. Um, some people are, but in, in general, we're not sheltered. We're in this world. So we have these interactions with people who may, who may entice you to do things. And those things become your thoughts. And so now when the, when the devil is, is playing tricks on your mind, you're not remo- renewing your mind daily on the truth and revelation of the Lord. Now you're focusing on the words of, of the world. Like mm-hmm. you should have this, right? Some people are addicted to shopping, right? That makes them feel good makes them feel better is that they have things, right? They accumulate things. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, addictions that can take over your life and have negative consequences, but addicts are never focused on the consequences. Mm -hmm. They're focused on the immediate gratification or the immediate dulling, whatever the addiction is doing to help them move out of that space of negativity. They don't realize that that addiction creates these consequences. Mm. They're only worried about the consequences of of dealing with whatever problems they have because we all have problems, right? In the be- beginning of the uh, of the the proverbs it says who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining? Mm. Everyone. Right. But not everyone chooses some kind of device to help them cope Correct. with it. Correct. Correct. I mean, some people are better than others. Some people go to therapy, some people are 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 very verbal. So they're, they're talking to their friends and family. I would say that I'm probably not, I would say I, I talk to myself the most and I talk to God, but sometimes you need someone else to talk to, to help you. Uh, and, And we want everyone to be transformed, right? Not just by the renewing of their mind, but we want them to be transformed out of the things of this world so that they don't face these negative consequences. I mean, this is what this wisdom is about. It's about living in this world. We know that there's rewards that beyond this, beyond this world, but how do you live a successful life now? Right. How do you take control of your life now? And so the author gives us these seven factors. Like if you don't think you're an addict, he gives us these seven factors that you can test. And you look at these seven factors. If at least three of them apply to you, I'm going to read them, then you may be addicted. And then you have to think about confronting the issue and solving. One, you develop a tolerance to substance or activity that increases amounts, that increases the amounts that are necessary to achieve the desired effect, right? Like you have to do it more and more to get the desired effect. You suffer from symptoms of withdrawal. If you're not doing it, maybe you feel bad, badly inside, badly mentally, like you're, you're craving it. Three, you indulge in the substance or behavior to a great degree over a longer period period than intended. Maybe you said, oh, I'm just going to you do it for like a month. And right. now six months later, you're, you're still, still doing it. <laughs> Four, the person experiences persistent craving for the substance or activity and feels powerless to curtail or quit. This is having that not having the regulator. Like you want to, you don't want to do it. You feel shame, but you can't, just can't stop. Five, the person spends a great deal of time pursuing, obtaining, using, or recovering from the substance activity. You're in this downward spiral and it's a cycle. So you're you're like, I did this. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to get out of it. And you fall into it again. 
Six, the person sacrifices important social, occupational, mm. personal, recreational activities in order to engage in the behavior, in the compulsive behavior or substance. Right. That is huge. That's like, right. If you recognize that you're withdrawing from the activities and the people that mm-hmm. you used to spend time with or the things you used to do, and you're spending more of a time doing something particular, you may be an addict. Mm-hmm. And seven, the addictive or compulsive behavior continues despite the experience of repeated and ongoing negative consequences. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone is on substance abuse mm-hmm. and, and, and got into a car accident, but nobody was hurt. So they go out and do it again mm-hmm. and, and again and again until does someone have to die right. before you stop? So you know the consequences, but you're still falling. So if any of the three of the seven apply, mm. it is time that you have a wake up call today. We implore you. We don't want your life to be ruined and destruction. We don't want a cycle. We don't want this generational curse for your family. And while we started we're talking about alcohol and substance, we are not just talking about that. You could be addicted to being a negative person. Right. You can be addictive to being angry. You can be addicted to to gossiping. Wor- to gossiping. Thank you. Yeah. Working. There's a number of food, at dieting, number of things that you can be addicted to, and you want to break that behavior because it not only affects you, it affects, affects the people around, around you. you. And we live in a community of believers, mm-hmm. and as Christians, we're called to love one another. So let's support our friends and family. And even strangers who we know may be struggling or suffering. Let's give them an encouraging word. Let's pray over them. Let's pray into their lives because addiction is serious. And yet it's real. Like Philly share very personal Mm -hmm. family experiences. Consequences are death. Consequences are a loss of family. Consequences is an inability to cope. We don't want that for any of you. We want to pray against these things, but it's important to know what it is so that you can take action. And I want you guys to remember, it's never going to be an overnight change. It is definitely a process and you definitely need help. You can choose God, but sometimes you need the outside help and God provides it, right? And I I want to say, because this is such, such an important topic, I want to say that if you are struggling or you know someone is struggling, remember this number so that you can call in case you need it, or you can give this number to someone who needs it. It's 1-800-662-HELP. 1-800-662-HELP. 4357. 1-800-662-HELP. You are not alone. You do not need to do this by yourself. God loves you and he wants you to come out on the other side. And there are people who are going to help you get there, but you need to recognize that you have a problem and then move act to solve it. Wow. Wow. This was such a very important um, topic. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed it. And we hope that anybody who's struggling with addiction um, can get the help that they need. We look forward to uh, seeing you. Stay tuned for announcements and our closing prayer. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on unlocking wisdom through the book of Proverbs. Treading Faith is available on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please check out our Instagram page for updates. And if you like us, spread the news and follow us. Don't forget to click that like button.
and then you can comment and share with your family, friends, and neighbors alike. Today's topic on the grind of addiction was quite heavy, but dealing with loved ones who are struggling with addiction can be so challenging. I know this from my personal experience. My only sister died from alcohol addiction 17 years ago, and now her son, my oldest nephew, is battling addiction of his own. But I found that praying for him has made a big difference for both him and me. When I pray, it makes me feel better and less alone. It also helps him, you know, keep going and believe that he can overcome addiction as well. He feels loved and supported even when things are tough. Of course, prayer alone isn't enough to overcome addiction, but it's important to seek professional help as well. For me, prayer has been an essential part of my journey in supporting my loved ones who are struggling with addiction. You can easily do the same. Addiction is complex and challenging. It affects all of us. So those struggling with addiction, they face such difficult times and painful journeys towards their recovery. But with faith and support and perseverance, it is possible. It is possible through the help of God to overcome addiction and find healing and hope and redemption. Through prayer, individuals can seek the grace, forgiveness, and courage that God has for them. In this context, words like healing and strength and support and faith play a crucial role in the journey towards addiction recovery. So let us join together in prayer because we believe in the power of prayer. God deserves that we come to him and be restored back into his grace and favor. Isaiah 55, 11 says, God's word does not come back void. Our prayers are strengthened in numbers, so we ask that you come into agreement with us for this prayer. Cry out to God. He hears and waits for you to reach out to him. He desires you to know that he loves and wants everything possible, and he wants healing for you. So are you ready to lay down your burden? Because if you are, shout out to God, scream out his name. God, my father, help me to turn my eyes towards you. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Father God, who made all things possible through Jesus Christ, our love and our savior. You alone possess the power to break chains of addiction, Father, and break down the bars of this prison. So release us, Father God, from the bondage of drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, gambling, any type of addiction, Father God. Restore what has been stolen. We do not possess the strength, Father God, but through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we know that we can do anything. Give us the strength, Father God, to say no and turn our eyes towards you in heaven. Father, our vision is cloudy, so wipe away the fog in our minds and let us see clearly the deception of the enemy. He comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. So provide us, Father God, the clarity to see the lies. Give us the wisdom and the vision, Father God, to see who we are, who you made us to be. We are made in your image, Father God. So we are not tainted. We are perfect in our image, Father God. 
because we are a reflection of you, Father God. So how do we see ourselves, Father? Help us to know your love. Let nothing, Father God, but a clear vision of who we are. We are you, Father God, and the knowledge of your love satisfy any desire. God, help us. We need your help, Father God. We cannot stop this desire on our own. We don't have the strength, Father, so give us the strength. We need your strength, Father God. You promise always to be near. Do not be far from us, Father God. You are strength. Come quickly to us. Come quickly to our aid. You promise to forgive sins through Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us of the things that we have done, the things that we do, and the things we will continue to do because we will always make mistakes, Father God. But Father God, you know our hearts. You knew us before we were even in the womb. You knew the hairs on our bodies, Father God, the hairs on our head before we were even born, Father God. So forgive us for those things that we have done. Father, the thought and under the spell of addiction, Father God, forgive us for our sins that led us to stray away from you. Your way is the only way. Father, pull us, pull us towards the pit and place of your feet, Father God, on the right way, the path that leads to you, Father. So thank you for protecting us from mortal harm. Thank you for the grace that brought us to this place where we seek you, Father God. Thank you for healing to come. Thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for giving us grace when it is needed the most. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Oh, Father God, from the words of our mouth, to the meditation of our hearts may be acceptable and pleasing to you. Oh Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, and amen. If you or anyone is suffering from addiction, please get help. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Association is also called SAMHS. A, this is the National Helpline. For their phone number, please, it's 1-800-662-4357. Again, that's 1-800-662-4357. We love you. We hope that this, this podcast, this episode has touched you in several ways. We hope that it reached millions of people. So please don't forget to share don't forget to spread the word. Don't forget to spread the word because we are doing God's work. And through this, we know that God will continue to bless us. In Jesus' precious name, we love you. Amen.